0: chapter 3 of the adventures of bindle by herbert jenkins this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by don w jenkins chapter 3 the air raid 1 there wasn't no alm life in england until the kaiser started a dropping bombs in people's backyards remarked bindle oracularly funny thing he continued how everybody seemed to find out how fond they was of settin at ome because they was afraid of goin out mr hardy looked at mr gupperduck and mr gupperduck looked at mrs bindle they required time in which to assimilate so profound an utterance mr gupperduck had firmly established himself in the good graces of mr hardy and the leaders of the alton road chapel He was a constant visitor at the Harty's, especially at meal-times, and at the chapel he prayed with great fervor, beating all records as far as endurance was concerned. "'I don't agree with you,' remarked Mr. Gupperduck at length. "'I do not agree with you. The scriptures say, every man to his family.' Mr. Hardy looked gratefully at his guest. It was pleasant to find Bindle controverted. "'You know, Alf, you never been so much at home.' wheezed mrs hardy hitting her chest remorselessly you never do go out on moonlight nights you trust him said bindle hardy and the moon ain't never out together we're told to take cover said mr hardy with dignity and what about us poor fellers what has to be in it all demanded bindle looking down at his special constable's uniform you should commend yourself to god said mr gupperduck piously he that putteth his trust in Him shall not be afraid. Ain't you afraid, when There's a raid on. Demanded Bindle. I have no fear of earthly things. Replied Mr. Gupperduck, lifting his eyes to the ceiling. He's all Gupperduck and camouflage, ain't he? Millikins whispered Bindle to his niece. Then aloud he said, "Well, Missus B ain't like you. She's afraid like all the rest of us. I don't believe much in coves what say they ain't afraid." you ask the boys back from france you don't hear them a sayin they ain't afraid they knows too much for that there's one above who watches over us all joseph said mr hearty emboldened to unaccustomed temerity by the presence of mr gupperduck mr bindle said mr gupperduck our lives and our happiness are in god's hands wherefore shall we feel afraid well well remarked bindle with resignation you and Hearty beat me when it comes to pluck when i'm out with all them guns a goin' and bombs a-dropping about i'd sooner be somewhere else and i ain't a goin' to say different p'raps it's because i'm an eathen the hour of repentance should not be deferred said mr gupperduck it is not too late even now it's no good said bindle decisively i should never be able to feel as brave as what you are when there's a on." oh ye of little faith murmured mr gupperduck mournfully think of daniel in the lion's den said mrs bindle and jonah in the er interior of the whale added mr hardy with great delicacy now remarked bindle shaking his head with conviction i wasn't made for lions or whales i suppose i'm a bit of a coward i don't feel brave when there's a raid uncle joe said milly hardy loyally she had been a silent listener and mother isn't either are you mums she turned to mrs hardy it's my breath responded mrs hardy patting her ample bosom it gets me here that's because you don't go to chapel martha said bindle if you was to turn up there three times on sundays you'd be as brave as what mr gupperduck is ain't that so he inquired turning to mr gupperduck you're always sneering at the chapel broke in mrs bindle without giving the lodger time to reply it doesn't do us any harm whatever you may think that's just where you're wrong mrs b remarked bindle settling himself down for a controversy i ain't got nothing to say against the chapel if they only let you set quiet but it's such an up-and-down sort o of life when you ain't kneelin down a askin to be saved from what you know you deserves or kept from doin what you're nuts on doin you're a standin up a singin ims about all sorts of uncomfortable things what you says you opes to find in heaven you have a jaundiced view of religion mr bindle said mr gupperduck ponderously a jaundiced view he repeated pleased with the phrase ave i really remarked bindle anxiously i hope it ain't catchin no he continued meditatively i wasn't meant for chapels i seem to be able to think best about evan when i'm settin smokin after supper with mrs b a-bangin at the stove to remind me that i ain't there yet what does me he continued is that i never yet say any of your chapel coves appier for all your singin and prayin why is it look at you three now if you was goin to be plucked and trussed to-morrow you couldn't look more fidgety instinctively each of the three looked at the other two mr gupperduck shook his head hopelessly you don't understand joseph murmured mr hardy with mournful resignation well, i can understand ruddy bill gettin drunk bindle continued "'because he do look appy when he's got a skinful, "'but I can't understand you a-wantin' to pray, Artie. "'I really can't. "'I only once see a lot of religious people appy, "'and that was when they got drunk by mistake. "'Lord, didn't they teach me in old Uggles things? "'E blushes like a gal when I mentions it. "'Uggles is a nice mind, he has.' "'Well, I must be going, Artie, "'in case them uns come over tonight. "'You ought to be a special, Artie. "'There's some rare fine gals in Putney do you think there'll be an air raid to-night asked mr gupperduck with something more than casual interest in his voice maybe said bindle casually maybe not funny things air raids they've changed a rare lot of things he remarked meditatively once we used to want the moon to come out sort of made us think of gals and settin' on styles mrs b was a rare one for moons and styles wasn't you lizzie don't be disgusting bindle there was anger in mrs bindle's voice now continued bindle imperturbably no cove don't want to go out and set on a stile a oldin of a girl's and not im when his job's done he starts arf for ome like giddy and you don't see his nose again till the next morning bindle paused to wink at mr hardy if there's any gal now he continued what wants her and eld on moonlight nights she'll have to old it herself or wait till peace comes if you would only believe mr bindle said mr gupperduck earnestly making a final effort at bindle's salvation if thou canst believe all things are possible ah mr gupperduck started into an upright position with eyes dilated as a loud report was heard what was that he cried that remarked bindle dryly as he rose and picked up his peaked cap is the signal for you and orty to put your trust in god in other words he added it's a gun Im what fulham calls the barker bindle looked from mr hearty leaden-hued with fright to mr gupperduck whose teeth were chattering on to mrs bindle who was white to the lips well i must be off," he said adjusting his cap upon his head at a rakish angle if i don't come back mrs b you'll be a widow and widows are wonderful things cheer-o all bindle turned and left the room his niece millie following him out into the passage uncle joe she said clutching hold of his coat-sleeve you will be careful won't you then with a little catch in her voice she added you know you are the only uncle joe i've got and bindle went out into the night where the guns thundered and the shrapnel burst in sinister white stabs in the sky whilst over all brooded the great queen of the heavens bathing in her white peace the red war of pigmies Two hours later, Bindle's ring at the hardy's bell was answered by Millie. Oh, Uncle Joe, she cried joyfully, I'm so glad you're back safe. Hasn't it been dreadful? Her lower lip quivered a little. You ain't been frightened, Millikins, have you? inquired Bindle solicitously. A soldier's wife isn't afraid, Uncle Joe, she replied bravely. Millie's sweetheart, Charlie Dixon, was at the front my ain't we gettin a woman millikins cried bindle putting his arm affectionately around her shoulders and kissing her cheek loudly Everybody all right he inquired yes i think so uncle joe but she squeezed his arm i'm so glad you're back i've been thinking of you all the time every time there was a big bang i-i wondered well well interrupted bindle we ain't goin to be down are we it's over now you'll ear the all clear in a few minutes Bindle walked into the Hardy's parlour, where Mrs. Hardy was seated on the sofa half asleep. Hallo, Martha, he cried. Ah, Joe, she said. I'm glad you're back. I'm afraid there's been a lot of her breath failed her, and she broke off into a wheeze. Bindle looked about him curiously. Allo, what's happened to them three little cherubs? he inquired. Mrs. Hardy began to shake and wheeze with laughter, and Millie stood looking at Bindle. What's happened, Millikins?" he inquired done a bunk ave they they're they're in the potato cellar uncle joe said millie without the ghost of a smile somehow it seemed to her almost like a reflection on her own courage that her father and aunt should have thought only of their personal safety bindle slapped his leg with keen enjoyment well i'm blowed he cried if that ain't rich three people wot was talkin about puttin their trust in god a goin into that little funk ole well i'm blowed don't laugh uncle joe began millie i-i she broke off unable to express what was in her mind don't you worry millikins he replied as he moved towards the door i'd better go and tell em that it's all right mr hardy's potato-cellar was reached through a trap-door flush with the door of the shop with the aid of an electric torch bindle looked about him his eyes fell on a large pair of scales on which were weights up to seven pounds this gave him an idea Carefully placing a box beside the trap-door, he lifted the scales and weights in his arms, and, with great caution, mounted on to the top of the box. Suddenly he let the scales and weights fall with a tremendous crash, full in the centre of the trap-door, at the same time giving vent to a shout. Millie came running in from the parlour. "'Oh, Uncle Joe, what has happened?' she cried. "'Are you hurt?' it's all right millikins knocked over these ere scales i did ain't i clumsy Ush. moans and cries could be distinctly heard from below ere help me gather em up millikins i hope i haven't broken the scales having replaced the scales and weights on the counter bindle proceeded to pull up the trap-door all clear he shouted cheerily there was no response only a moaning from the extreme corner of the cellar ere come along WHAT DO YOU TWO MEAN BY TAKING MY missus DOWN INTO A CELLAR LIKE THAT? IS IT GONE? QUAVERED A VOICE THAT BINDLE ASSUMED MUST BE THAT OF MR. GUPPERDUCK. IS WHAT GONE? HE INQUIRED. THE BOMB! WHISPERED THE VOICE. OH, COME UP, GUPPERDUCK, SAID BINDLE. DON'T PLAY THE GIDDY GOAT IN THE POTATO CELLAR. WHAT ABOUT YOU PUTTING YOUR TRUST IN GOD? THERE WAS A SOUND OF MOVEMENT BELOW. A FEW MOMENTS LATER, MR. GUPPERDUCK'S FACE APPEARED WITHIN THE RADIUS OF LIGHT he had lost his spectacles and his upper set of false teeth his hair was awry and his face distorted with fear he climbed laboriously up the steps leading to the shop he was followed by mr hearty literally yellow with terror what have you done with my missis demanded bindle she she she's down there stuttered mr gupperduck then you two jolly well go down and fetch her up or i'll kick you down cried bindle angrily nice sort of sports you are leaving a woman alone in an hole like that after taking her down there mr hardy and mr gupperduck looked at bindle and then at each other slowly they turned and descended the ladder again for some minutes they could be heard moving about below then mr hardy appeared with mrs bindle's limp form clasped round the waist whilst mr gupperduck pushed from behind for one moment a grin flitted across bindle's features then seeing mrs bindle's pathetic plight his manner changed ere millikins get some water he cried your aunt lizzie's fainted between them they half carried half dragged mrs bindle into the parlour where she was laid upon the sofa vacated by mrs hardy her hands were chafed water dabbed upon her forehead and a piece of brown paper burned under her nose by mrs hardy She had not lost consciousness, but stared about her in a vague, half-dazed fashion. Mr. Hardy and Mr. Gupperduck, who had retrieved his false teeth, seemed thoroughly ashamed of themselves. It was Mr. Hardy who suggested that Mrs. Bindle should spend the night with them, as she was not in a fit condition to go home. As he spoke, the all-clear signal rang out joyfully upon the stillness without. Two long-drawn-out notes that told of another twenty-four hours of safety mr gupperduck straightened himself mr hardy seemed to revive and from mrs bindle's eyes fled the expression of fear well i must be orf said bindle look after my missis hardy you come along mr g he inquired of mr gupperduck as followed by millie he left the room it was sweet of you not to laugh at them uncle joe said millie as they stood at the door waiting for mr gupperduck nobody didn't ought to mind saying they're afraid millikins said bindle looking at the serious face before him but i don't like a cove what says he's brave and then turns out to have about as much art as a shillin' rabbit come along mr g good-night millikins my dear are we down no and bindle went out into the night followed by a meek and chastened mr gupperduck End of chapter three read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california